feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Is the Democratic Party erupting? Well, there are big battles within the Democratic Party over whether or not to get tough on criminals. How insane is that? Everybody, you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. And you would think fighting crime, getting tough on criminals, making sure that they are appropriately punished, that that would be an easy conversation, that you would simply have to say, yeah, Let's make sure that the bad guys get locked up and let's make sure that they're appropriately punished. But there is a huge battle within the Democratic Party. And it seems like almost anybody who speaks out and says, hey, wait a minute, crime is out of control in a lot of big cities across America. Even if they are a diehard Democrat like Al Sharpton, they get blasted. And that's what is so, so shocking. So how do these folks who are even trying to make a dent on fighting crime, get through, like New York City Mayor Eric Adams and like some of these other mayors around the country that are Democrats but are seeing what's happening on their own streets and realizing that safety is priority. And here it is, Al Sharpton, who could forget, just a few days ago, made this comment, and now he is under fire from some liberals in his own party for making what is a pretty obvious statement about crime. Take a listen. You go to a local pharmacy, Dwayne Weed or, or Rite Aid, any of them, and you've got to get someone to help yeah. assist you. I mean, they, they have the little button there. Yep. You hit the buzzer, and the guy comes over and unlocks your toothpaste. Yes. I mean, we're talking about basic <laughs> stuff. That's what they said. What did I miss that we now have to lock up toothpaste? Yeah, and guess what? That's like the least of it. I mean, there have been stabbings. There have been homicides. Uh, there have been some major issues. And, in fact, homicide rates at an all-year high in 16 major cities across America. So what Al Sharpton is saying is like even late to the game. He's complaining about robbery and what's happening in so many of these different drug stores. Uh, a number of drug stores cross, you know, closing around the country in many, many states because they just can't handle all the robberies that are taking place. They can't hire the security people because all these different smash and grabs and all these individuals also that are also separately taking lots of stuff out. So there's Al Sharpton saying what we all see with our own two eyes, that robberies are happening, that thefts are happening, that they're going in and taking goods out of grocery stores or taking steaks, as we've seen, you know, out of different, you know, different stores across the country. And what happens? Al Sharpton gets blasted. How insane is that? Al Sharpton, who has been, you know, one of the biggest, I think, race baiters out there, you know, and one of the people who has been least critical about criminals out there, even he is getting under their ire. These people on the loony toony left, and you would think that Al Sharpton would be one of them, he's looking like the reasonable one. How crazy is that? I never thought I would say that, but that's what's looked like it's happening tonight. So Al Sharpton comes out, and now he is being blasted by New York Times journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones. 
She, of course, spearheaded the controversial 1619 Project, and she basically said that Al Sharpton's out of touch. She said that he has no idea what's going on and that he is, quote, now backing the carceral state, the incarcerated state, that he is part of the lock them all up in the prison system, incarcerate them, part of the authoritarian authoritarian carceral state. Can you believe that? Here is Al Sharpton, who is, boy, I would not put him anywhere near on the conservative spectrum or on the hard crime-fighting spectrum, and yet he's not liberal enough for these people. It's like there is no satiating these people, and now he is coming under fire. They said the drumbeat for continued mass incarceration is really horrific to watch. A person stealing steak is not national news. And there have always been thefts from stores. This is how you legitimize the carceral state. So in other words, they are justifying being able to steal and take things such as toothpaste, like Al Sharpton was talking about, steaks, food, whatever you want to take, just like many of them were doing during the riots of 2020. Remember the good old summer, you know, summer of love? And you can legitimize it because it's, quote, part of the state that locks people up. That, to me, is insane. That is absolute, and it reminds me so much of these BLM protesters who were out there basically saying, you know what, we have a right to doing this because this is reparations. We have a right to do this because, you know, the authorities are always after us. So we can basically take whatever we want and burn whatever we want to burn down and take whatever we want to take down. It is insane. So I want to get your reaction to the fact that here it is. This is the woman with this controversial 1619 project, remember, who wants to teach people that that's, you know, that's the beginning of America, uh, not 1776. You know, this is this whole issue where they they want to rewrite history, essentially. And she's saying that theft is how you legitimize the carceral state, the incarceration state. And that's what these people are only there to incarcerate us. And we legitimize it, you know, by getting these thefts. We do this. We're allowed to basically do this. This, to me, is outrageous. What are your thoughts about this, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And this comes at a time where Eric Adams, the New York City mayor, is trying to break through with people on his party because he realizes not only for his own success, but for New York City's success and many people around the country looking at the success if New York City could turn around, you know, if there's a model. And he's hoping that he can break through with his own party, saying that he is not happy with this sort of no-cash bail system, that there needs to be tougher punishment for individuals. And he's not like this diehard, believe me, he's a Democrat. He's not like a diehard tough-on-crime guy, but he's at least trying to be common sense and seeing that the only way to get a handle on the massive crime in a big city like New York City is to really try to lay down the law in some cases and at least not give criminals a free pass. And this is what he had to say at a faith breakfast today, basically pleading with everybody to finally do something about crime. We want to end gun violence. Let's go into the street and talk to those young men that are pulling the triggers. Letting them know that you believe in them. You can't be just a preacher. You can't be just a rabbi. You can't be just a cop. 
You can't be just a doctor. You got to go beyond that and give justice to people who are in need. This is the moment to go beyond who we are and move to the level of who we can become. Yeah, and you hear people, some were clapping. Some probably weren't clapping at all. They were probably going, heck no, we don't care what he says. And what does it take for these individuals, and I call them the lefty loonies, because that's what I think they are at a time like now where crime is so bad across the country that they are so steadfast in not changing the soft on crime policies that are leading to this revolving door that we are seeing over and over again in so many major cities. They're still talking about defund the police. It's like, are you looking at what's happening across the country and the deaths against police, the murders against police? Are you looking at the crime that's happening around this country? Like, what planet are you on? And then they're also still talking about, no, well, we have to do no cash bail. We have to have sympathy. Tell that to the family members who have lost loved ones. It is outrageous. It is stunning, and it is outrageous. And so this week, here is Eric Adams, and he has a meeting with his legislature, with the New York legislature. It is Democratic-run. They're the ones who pushed for this bail reform, the no-cash bail. And so he's pleading with them, basically saying, you know what, we need to get a handle on this. We need to do something. Um, And I give him credit for saying, hey, listen, we got to try. We got to try to do something. And this crazy loony lefty Assemblywoman Latrice Walker of New York doesn't want to have anything to it. Take a listen to this exchange. While I do appreciate your rhetoric and the cards, I do challenge you to a debate with respect to bail reform and the effects that it has been having with respect to an alleged raise in crime in the city of New York, where we are seeing crime on the rise all across the country, even in states where bail reform is not a thing. So bail reform can't have anything to do with it. I I mean, are you kidding me? Letting these people back out on the streets to recommit crime after crime, that doesn't have any effect? And here's a little bit more of the exchange. He came back at her and take a listen to what she said. Again, this is Assemblywoman Latrice Walker, Democrat, scolding New York City Democratic Mayor Eric Adams. I don't think you should debate me. You should debate the 11-month-old baby's mother. Uh, You should debate the two police officers that we lost. Uh, you should you should debate the people who no, are watching it's violence you who in are your community and throughout the city. So, you don't have to tell me to debate a person who lost an 11 month old child because I lost a brother at the age of 19 years old to gun violence. And I want to be safe and I want to make sure that my this city is safe to raise my children as well as all children across the state of New York. But when you are adopting the rhetoric of people who are male, pale, and stale in this state to say that racially. Um, uh, insinuated criminal justice reform in our in our country is harming our city. I just think it's wrong, and I think that it is something that we need to discuss as elected officials, and not in six second bites in the media. Oh, that's true. So bail reform, where you're letting people out on the streets, and it's happening in so many of these major cities across America, where these loony lefty DAs are in charge, and the Assembly has been backing them full throttle. So when that is happening, that doesn't have an impact whatsoever on crime. When you look at the people that have been out over and over again, typically for some of the worst crimes ever that have happened in the last year or so, 
I would bet 99% of them are repeat offenders with a rap sheet a mile long. And I can list about 100 cases off my head right now of cases where some of the most heinous, horrible crimes are clearly prisoners that didn't get the message because the system didn't give them the message. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Frank in Maine. Go ahead, Frank. Your thoughts about this. Uh, good evening, Rita, from the balmy state of Maine, temperature minus 12. You know, oh, Rita? Wait, wait, wait. By the way, before I let you go, where are you in Maine? I love Maine. Bangor. I'm 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 five I'm five streets away from where Stephen King lives. Ah, beautiful. I love Maine. Even and and by the way, I'm sure it still looks absolutely beautiful, even though you have icicles. I'm sure hanging from your window there, Frank. What do you think? What do you think about the heat that's being put on anybody who is trying to go up against these crazy loony lefties? You know what? In, you know the hypocrisy of Al Sharpton never ceases to amaze me. He is. The biggest phony in history. Um, from from the time he he was in the eighties, from the time he was spewing hatred, from the time and I and I forgot the the little girl, the one who claimed she got raped. Yep, Tawana by, Brawley. Tawana Brawley. Brawley. Absolutely. But it, from that point forward, that man was a fake phony fraud. And now he is trying to, because he can't get toothpaste, now it's an issue. How dare he? Um, I think I think May Adams is doing a, a, an excellent job. He's trying. He's trying. He's hitting brick walls. And and. This this is just hypocrisy beyond recognition with these with these legislators and these assembly people blocking his way, saying, "Well, I want I want safe streets, but I don't want safe streets. Uh, I want safe streets, but I don't want cops patrolling my safe streets." How dare they, Rita? Yeah, How you're dare. right. It's it's like the different rules. The rules for thee, you know, but not for me. Don't worry about it. As long as I'm safe. Don't worry about it, you know, and and then when suddenly you're right, like he can't get toothpaste. There's a lot of people who can't who are scared about walking on the streets. You know, it's a little more serious than toothpaste. But you you put it so brilliantly in perspective. Um, Frank, thank you very much. And stay warm there in beautiful Bangor, Maine. And when we come back, everybody, I'm going to continue with your calls. Love hearing from you every night. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222, and also, by the way, I also read your tweets on the show, so make sure that you send me your tweets at Rita Cosby, and I also often love reading them here on the show, too, as well. 1-800-848-9222, and you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And we are continuing with your calls. Al Sharpton actually getting blasted for complaining about toothpaste and saying crime is getting so bad I can't even get my toothpaste. So that's Al's problem. Our problem is the massive crime that's happening on the city streets. But even the liberal, ultra-liberal lefties, believe it or not, to the left of Al Sharpton are upset with him complaining about crime. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert in Philadelphia. Go ahead, Robert. You know, how you doing, Rita? Good, good, good. But you know what? It's out- First of all, it's outrageous that some of these ultra lefties, you know, can't even handle any criticism about crime 
or bail reform? And how are you going to clean up the streets if they don't have some reality check? And here's Al Sharpton complaining about toothpaste. It only outrages you as long as you care what them far out lefties think, okay? They have cop funerals. They have women being pushed off of platforms. They have assaults, robberies. Al says nothing, but not let him get his toothpaste, and now it's a problem, and he's laughing about it on MSNBC. Is this guy out of his mind, Rita? No, you're right. It's like, how dare he that— because Seriously. now his right now his life is inconvenienced because he can't get toothpaste. I would think the people whose lives have been devastated, you know, have a lot more problems than toothpaste. You're absolutely right. It's audacious. Well, I don't expect the media to ever call him out on it. Um, I heard a great uh, synopsis of the liberal media. It seems like every time a Republican's in office, they all want to be the next Bob Woodward. But every time a Democrat's in office. They all want to be the next Monica Lewinsky. And I'll leave it at that. You have a great night. Thank you very much, Robert. I always love your perspectives. Um, real quick, Patrice in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Patrice. Hi, Rita. Happy New Year. You too. You too. Great to hear from you. What do you think of Crazy Al Sharpton? Real quick, Patrice. Well, he's a preacher, and my mother-in-law used to call me a preacher uh, as such before she passed. But, um, you know, he, he's so busy trying to raise, you know, in, in the Bible we have a, someone called Lazarus. He's so busy trying to work with helping the people as, as a preacher in the state of New York and actually nationally. So I think he should get a break, you know, because if you go into a store for something and um, you don't know what's going on in terms of the neighborhood. Hey, Patrice, you know, uh, Patrice, hang on. We're, we're going to go to a break. If you want to hang on, I'll take you on the other side, okay? We're going to go to a break. We'll be right back, everybody. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue, St. John's University honoring detectives Jason Rivera and Wilbert Mora this week at Madison Square Garden as they took on Big East rival Villanova. Rivera, 22 years old, and Mora, 27 years old, were fatally shot when a gunman ambushed them during a domestic call, as you know, in a Harlem apartment on January 21st. Rivera's widow, Dominique, received a standing ovation when she came to center court there at Madison Square Garden during the game. How beautiful is that? It was an honor to be a part of the especially touching standing ovation, said NYPD First Deputy Commissioner Edward Caban. He said it was especially touching to see the standing ovation and outpouring of love that Detective Rivera's wife received as she stood at half court. And he also thanked St. John's University for taking the time out to honor these great NYPD heroes. And boy, uh, I think about them all the time and think about how difficult it is for our men and women in blue. And, of course, it is so tough for them because they're arresting these guys. They're trying to do the best they can, law enforcement across the country. And then you have these liberal DAs and you also have these very liberal lawmakers in many cities that just don't want to have anything to do with it. You've got the judicial end. You've got the legislative end. And in some cases, they're at different odds. In some cases, they're in the same place and don't want to do anything, no matter how bad crime is across the country. 
And I want to play something that was really interesting because Eric Adams, the new New York City mayor, was extremely emotional this week when he was talking about what he describes as the bureaucratic failings that led to the shooting death of a guy, an 18-year-old aspiring rapper. His name was Jaquan McKinley. He was killed in Brooklyn over the weekend. And he basically had a story where when he was young, he was taken to a school. Um, He had some severe cognitive disabilities. He kind of fell through the cracks. Um, Then he clearly had a lot of trouble with the law. He was arrested multiple times between 2018 and 2021, including for attempted murder. Um, And then, you know, he got involved in other crimes as well. Uh, Clearly somebody who was having a lot of problems with the law. And Eric Adams said, we have to do better for people like him so they don't get into situations like this for everybody's sake. Here's a little bit of Eric Adams speaking on that. The story of Jaquan breaks my heart. His story tests my spirit. And we must do better for young people like him. Today, I charge every city agency and department with finding new and better ways to help children like Jaquan. And here is another one, because Eric Adams said it is important that we try to not only bust people and give them stiffer penalties, but also make sure that we do prevention. He's trying to kind of look at it all encompassing. And, you know, listen, I I give him credit that he's trying all different directions. That's the key. I mean, if he can kind of be the bridge, but he's got Democrats who don't want to lock him up. I mean, you can't just do prevention and not lock him up. But Eric Adams is trying to do both. Take a listen. If a thousand children were buried by an earthquake, we would dig until our hands were bloody, until every last one of them was saved. Right now, we must move heaven and earth to help all the young people out there who are on the same path that Jaquan was on. We have a social, moral, human obligation to help all our children. And we also have an obligation to make sure that we are safe on the streets because, boy, is it a problem. Uh, case in point, sound familiar? A career criminal who had a felony charge against him downgraded, as it turns out, at the direction of good old liberal loony Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg turns out to be busted again. And it happened just uh, about a day or so in an unprovoked sucker punch attack on a city sanitation worker. This 30-year-old guy snuck up from behind a 55-year-old man who's collecting trash. Here's a guy collecting trash, just doing his job, civil servant. It's around 10 in the morning. It's not late at night or anything. And suddenly this guy comes from behind, allegedly clobbers him without warning, causing pain and swelling. And then again, they look at the guy's record. Oh, he had a felony robbery charge. It was downgraded by liberal DA Alvin Bragg. And this is happening in so many cities across America. And by the way, I have a new podcast that we've had out for a few weeks now, which I love. It's called Protecting America. And it's about the principles of what we can do to keep our country safe. And the guest this week is Andrew Giuliani. Of course, the son of Rudy Giuliani and Andrew, of course, the New York GOP gubernatorial candidate, one of the ones running for New York governor and former Trump aide. We were talking about this battle that Eric Adams and a lot of these mayors are having that are trying to get a handle on crime. And yet they are fighting with people in their own party that are from that AOC 
Cori Bush, Ilhan Omar Wing. Take a listen. Here's a little bit of a preview of a podcast that's going to go up tomorrow. You can get it. You can go on WABCRadio.com. You can check it out there. Also on Twitter, I'll put it on my Twitter feed, at Rita Cosby. We'll put it up midday tomorrow. But this conversation was so powerful. Take a listen to Andrew Giuliani talking about the battle that Eric Adams and other Democrats that are trying to make a difference are doing. Are you astounded that there are still a handful of New York politicians who, in the height of all of this combination that we're talking about, there are legislators who are still saying, no, we're not going to change, and also some that are still criticizing police in the middle of it all. One of the reasons why Eric Adams came out of the Democratic uh, nomination, he got the Democratic nomination and then became mayor, is because he was the only Democrat or the first Democrat that was willing to acknowledge that there was a crime problem going on. So the fact that they actually don't even look at this and say, well, you know, we're going to keep on ignoring this. I think more Democrats are starting to get the message, though, now, because you're starting to see some of the messaging start to change a little bit on this. But unfortunately, they're looking at the polling numbers and not the actual crime numbers. It should be the crime numbers of New Yorkers uh, and of Americans that are dictating the policy, uh, not the polling numbers. Absolutely. One thousand percent. And not just polls should be dictating, not just Mayor Eric Adams. You even hear the tone at President Biden trying to sound like he's being a little tougher on crime, Uh, just at least saying the rhetoric. But again, are they looking at it because, oh, gosh, elections right around the corner. Oh, gosh, what a surprise. Americans care about being safe in their homes and safe in the streets. I didn't realize that was some epiphany, but it seems to be for the Democratic Party. It's 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Patrice again from Brooklyn. Patrice, I'm so sorry we had to cut you off before, but go ahead. You're terrific. Yeah, Rita, I feel like I'm back on, you know, I'm on, I'm on television once in a blue moon, and I was like I was, you know, in the wings waiting. <laughs> in the green room. You were in the green room yeah. on hold, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You know, any general publicity, I think, is good for preachers. And at least Reverend uh, Sharpton is nonpartisan, when, uh, which is good for the businesses in New York that hires employees. And it usually helps the general economy that raises and helps realistically and fairly uh, all persons. Um, you know, I work with, um, uh, Eric, with Mayor Eric Adams for about five or six years. Uh, on a committee of the community board, and I think he's a very good shepherd, uh, as such. When I call, though, uh, when I called originally, I mentioned to your screener, uh, Rita, that uh, perhaps if some of the politicians were a little more centrist or conservative, like Mayor Giuliani was for a while, it would be helpful, though. Yeah, I think. Well, I think I look at it. You know, it's interesting, Patrice. I look at it as common sense, and I look at it as. Just being safe, you know, whether somebody's a Democrat or a Republican, to me, it's more important that they they have common sense and just care about each other and care about their communities um, and care about doing what's right for everybody and protecting the streets so people feel safe when they walk outside, when they feel safe if they're going to somewhere, they feel safe if they're going to a store. Um, but I have two questions for you first, because you worked with Eric Adams and we've had him here on the show, by the way, I you know, I, I've known Eric a long time. Um, how do you think he overcomes this, Patrice? Because you, you know, we had, we just played a little clip. Um, and in fact, let me play this, Patrice. I want to get your reaction. 
Um, I want to play again. Uh, this is um, 16. This is cut 16. This is an exchange with Eric Adams and Assemblywoman Latrice Walker. And Patrice, you stay on because I want to get your reaction because he is trying to say, hey, we'd like to change this bail reform. We need to get a little tougher. We need to fix things. And he's starting to talk about it. And she's like interrupting him saying, don't tell me what to do. We're not changing anything, basically. Um, so he's hitting a lot of roadblocks. Take a listen, Patrice. And then I want to get you to respond. I don't think you should debate me. You should debate the 11-month-old baby's mother. Uh, you should debate the two police officers that we lost. Uh, you should you should debate the people who no, are watching violence in your community No, it's you who are making this a political city. issue. So, you don't have to tell me to debate a person who lost an 11-month-old child because I lost a brother at the age of 19 years old to gun violence. And I want to be safe and I want to make sure that my, this city is safe to raise my children as well as all children across the state of New York. But when you are adopting the rhetoric of people who are male, pale, and stale in this state to say that racially um, uh, insinuated criminal justice reform in our in our country is harming our city, I just think it's wrong. And I think that it is something that we need to discuss as elected officials and not in six-second bites in the media. Yeah, I mean, Patrice, that's a hard one. Yeah. Eric Adams is fighting. And, you know, I asked Eric, uh-huh. we did an interview that aired last week, and I said to Eric, um, uh-huh. you know, I said to Mayor Adams, listen, um, what are do you agree you got to get tough? And he said, yes, we have to get tough on crime. We have to change this bail reforms because criminals get the green light. And he even conceded that a message out there like that day one memo from Alvin Bragg, mm-hmm. the D.A., sent a green mm-hmm. light to criminals to basically get away with it. He's like, criminals read the headlines. They know what's going on. They know they can get away with it. He agrees. Mm-hmm. But yet here mm-hmm. he tries to fight with this, you know, tries to tell this assembly person, hey, help me. Give me ammunition mm-hmm. to lock these people up. And she doesn't want to hear it. Right, right. Um, well, he's he's doing his job and he sounds very, very strong as a mayor. Uh, as such, and uh, she's doing the job, her job as best she can as a as an assemblywoman. So uh, the politics is uh, very dynamic, and uh, I think the people uh, this gives the people hope. But but uh, I, but you know what? When you have this assemblywoman, and I don't mm-hmm. think she's actually doing her job, Patrice. I mean, she is elected to protect the people and do what's in the interest of people. And I think Mm -hmm. if you took a survey out there right now, people would say, yeah, we're concerned about crime and we're concerned Mm -hmm. about these repeat offenders. So I think he's I think she is not doing her job because I think Mm -hmm. she is she's sticking to whatever her, you know, I I consider it sort of extreme philosophy that no matter what, Mm -hmm. even Eric Adams, who's in her own party, is saying she doesn't want to hear it. And that's and that's and guess who loses? We lose. Everybody in America who wants to be safe loses Mm -hmm. if she's caught up in her philosophy for her philosophical reasons, but not thinking common sense, Patrice. Absolutely. And uh, thank you so much, Rita. And please, again, have a happy, happy new year. You too, Patrice. Thank you. You're great. I'm so glad you called. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Let's go to uh, let's go to Elena and Tina. Go ahead, Elena. Your thoughts. Good evening, Rita. Good evening. I just had an enlightful, enlightening conversation with Patrice. But, but, but how do, you know, here's even Eric Adams trying, and he can't break through because these people are caught up in their loony lefty ways. Uh, that's exactly right. Patrice was very kind. Yes, yeah, she was. She gentle. was great. By the way, I loved hearing from her. I thought it was yes. great. But I don't feel that way at this moment. 
I can say one thing. Shame on Eric, on Mr. Sharpton. He's supposed to be a preacher. He's supposed to be a man of faith. He's supposed to be a person who's concerned about the decay and the people inside that decay. And the best thing that he can do is go on national TV and say, let's use some toothpaste that's good for the decay in the teeth. Yeah, and also, and also, Elena, it seems so petty because he's like complaining about toothpaste. We're complaining about, you know, I'm complaining about people, innocent people being pushed in the subway. I'm complaining about people yes. being stabbed yes. in a yes. furniture store in Los Angeles. I mean, you look all over the country, and he's worried about toothpaste. I mean, well, that's social de- decay, Rita, that we're talking about. Right, as opposed I'm, to tooth decay. He's, right, he's worried about tooth to decay. We're worried about social decay, Elena. <laughs> what, what a, what, and this man is not only a cleric, a spiritual leader, but he's also a lawyer, I believe. Well, by the way, Elena, and, and I was being kind because Patrice seemed like a very lovely person, and she had a lot to say, and I wanted her to, you know, I like to hear from everybody, you guys. Uh, but she came out, and when she said Al Sharpton is nonpartisan, I was about to stop her there. I could have talked to her for about an hour and tried to uh, uh, convince her otherwise. I would never assume him being nonpartisan, would you, Elena? <laughs> Uh, Rita, you're very kind, but then, of course, you're professional, and so is Patrice. Yes. She came through that way. Exactly. But in my simple way, all I can say is shame on you, Mr. Sharpton, because you've made a lot of money inside that decay. Exactly. And by the way, uh, partisan, you know, to a T. (laughs) Elena, thank you. I always love your calls. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. What do you think, Al Sharpton talking tooth decay? Elena and I talking about social decay. And what do you make of the fact that Eric Adams, he is trying. He's saying, listen, I'm trying to you know, figure out how to get this. I am not happy with bail reform. I'm not happy with there's no cash bail. And even within his own party, they're like, ah, sorry, too bad. What's wrong with you? Too bad. You don't care about black and brown communities? He's an African-American mayor. Will these people ever budge? 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And Al Sharpton complaining about tooth decay. We're talking about social decay and crime escalating in so many cities across America And New York City Mayor Eric Adams pleading with his own party, hey, basically help us. And they're like, ah, too bad. You know what? Too bad. You don't care about black and brown people. He's an African-American mayor. I I mean, he's a Democrat, too. What more do you want? These loony, kazuni lefties don't even want to acquiesce to someone who is trying to say, let me get my city under control. And let me be a beacon to maybe other cities across the country. They won't let them. So how are things going to turn around? This Democratic Party, no wonder it's in the tank if you look at some of the polls. And in fact, the president himself is under 40 percent approval. It's the first time in a long time that we have seen such a dismal number for President Biden 
And that also lumps a lot of people in the Democratic Party because people are reasonable and they're going, what the heck is going on? These people are not looking at reality. They're not looking at the problem on the streets and looking at what we are all dealing with every single day in major cities across the country. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jimmy in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, the left, they know they have to stay in power and get reelected to carry out their plans. So they have to change what they're saying only to be able to continue to lead or get elected. The mind, the goals are not changed. It's the way a con artist or a pimp will change the way they talk. It's a matter of changing the tactics. That, By the way, Jimmy, that's a great point because you're right. Um, and they're just trying to kind of sell it on a different platter. It's like, hey, would you like... Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, stew, or would you like, uh, you know, beautiful soup? That's da da da. It's like trying to put a nicer package on it and trying to sell it. And I don't like the facts that suddenly they saw the polls and how bad they're doing in the polls, and it's almost like a concerted effort that, oh gosh, we got to turn our message because we want to stay in power to what do more damage after the election. Let's go to Roxy in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Roxy. Your Hi. thoughts. Hi, nice to speak to you. You too. Um, what do I you think? Can... Oh, I know Reverend Sharpton. I grew up in the neighborhood that he came out of. He used to wear jogging suits and jerry curl in his hair. I don't know who ordained him. He's nothing but a race data. I wouldn't even call him a reverend. Well, okay, and, and I think, I think you know, it's interesting, Roxy, because someone had called before, Patrice, who was lovely, but said, oh, he's nonpartisan. And that's the last word I think I would use to describe Al Sharpton. Um, let's go to, um, let's go to Gino, uh, Gino from Hackensack. Go ahead, Gino. Hey, Gino, Gino, G.I. Jack back in Hackensack, giving best to the Polish princess. Hey, thank you, you very much. Real quick, Gino, I want to make sure I get you, I'll my friend. Quick. I'll be quick. Al Sharpton is an anti-Semitic. He started riots and Jewish businesses burning them. He's incited riots. 30, 40 years ago. I remember all the Crown Heights stuff. I know exactly what you're talking about, Gino. All Crown Heights, Rita, in in the Jewish businesses in Harlem. He he encouraged the mob to burn them to the ground 50 years ago. Well, that's why, Gino, when I hear his insightful speech, you know, it's like, and now he's inconvenienced by toothpaste. We're inconvenienced by rising crime across the country. We're inconvenienced by worried about... Our families. I mean, it's audacious of him. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Eleven women, and Governor Cuomo says it was all one big smear effort against him. I want to hear your thoughts tonight as to what you think he is now going on the offense. And do you think he has a political future? His attorney had a conference call today, a video news conference today, with a lot of reporters and said, quote, he will not let this go. It is insulting to tell someone who's been wrongly accused, who's been treated unfairly, to just move on. He's not going to just move on. So should Governor Cuomo just move on and be thankful that the criminal charges did not go through, 
Remember, the DAs decided not to go after that. But do you believe that 11 women were just making it up, that it was some concerted smear effort? And he also says that the Attorney General Letitia James also could be under attack because she's the one who put the report together that really brought down Andrew Cuomo. So was it all politics? Could 11 women somehow have planned it all? And do you think Andrew Cuomo has a political future? I say never say never. I've talked about Marion Barry, the D.C. mayor. Who knows? You never would have thought he'd come back, and Andrew Cuomo did. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. And by the way, also, later on in this hour here on the Rita Cosby Show, we are going to be talking to former Trump Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security, Ken Cuccinelli, about a stunning report that the Biden administration is looking to do house arrests for immigrants that, as opposed to detention, where they would be monitored and watched, they'll just get house arrest, and they really only have to remain at home from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. because even though they're not supposed to work because they're illegal immigrants, they have jobs. So are we giving them really a lighter way? What incentivizing are we doing to make sure they don't cross the border? Take a listen. This is what... Michigan Congresswoman Lisa McLean has to say about the Biden administration's handling of the border. I say shame on President Biden. And when is this administration going to start putting the American people first? And Senator John Kennedy, who I love from Louisiana, had this to say about the border that is wide open. Uh, I think that the Biden administration honestly believes in open borders. I think they believe that vetting people at the border is racist. Uh, That's wrong, and most Americans disagree. They think vetting people at the border is prudent. And coming up again in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Ken Cuccinelli, the former Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security, about all of this and a stunning declaration uh, by the Attorney General in Arizona calling what's happening at the border, quote, an invasion. Meantime, Governor Cuomo on the offense. Take a listen to his attorney, Rita Glavin, just a little bit ago. The evidence shows it's not 11 women. It's zero. When you look at the evidence and you apply it to the law, zero women were sexually harassed. Five district attorneys opened investigations based on the attorney general's report and her prejudicial press conference. Five district attorneys reviewed the evidence. And after looking at the evidence and looking at the law, those five district attorneys all announced that they're not going to bring charges. So what's ahead for Andrew Cuomo? And do you believe that 11 of them somehow just made it up? A lot of them didn't know each other. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Benjamin, listening from the land down under in Australia. Go ahead, Benji. Yeah, hi, Rita. So I I don't think his situation's as bad as that um, movie producer guy, Weinstein, but I think his goose is cooked. I don't think he has a political future anymore. He can sell, like, raffle tickets now. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, would you buy raffle tickets from him, or would you be suspicious? I'd give him a number of quarters, and hopefully I would win, like, a chocolate cake or something. (laughs) Good call. Benji, thank you very much. Love that you're calling all the way from Australia. Thank you so much. Let's go to Stu. 
who is in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Sue. Great. I'm listening to all this nonsense about the Cuomo and the five DAs. The whole thing is political from beginning to end. He is a poster boy for bad behavior by people who are elitist, who are arrogant, and think they don't have to follow the law. Follow the law. So wait, the Stu, hang on, Stu. Stu, just so, wait, hang on. Stu, I just want to understand you. I want to make sure we all understand you. Do you believe that he is innocent? Do you believe he was set up? Do you believe clearly 11 people couldn't lie? What do you think? All of the above. I think that the women, where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, are they all innocent uh, as the with the uh, the snow was snow white? No, absolutely not. However, having said that, although the, Stu, uh, Stu, I was about to eighteen year old. All right, just brought a title nine against a predator. You know, I understand that the behavior of some of these people is outrageous. And as far as his career and his millions, who cares? Who? Cares. Well, if Get he becomes if he becomes governor of New York, if he becomes governor of New York, we all care again. You know, I mean, and I think a lot of people would care. Janice Dean would sure care. Remember, she's the one who's been ro- raising holy heck about the nursing homes. And I'm glad that you brought up about your granddaughter, um, because, you know, clearly there were 11 women. On the other hand, you know, he can make the case that the charges didn't go through. There was only really the one because it was more current. It was a current employee. And she said, by the way, that he just suddenly put his hand up her blouse, um, grabbed her breast. I mean, there's a number of things, try to kiss her. All those things certainly sound like inappropriate behavior. But then again, the DA also said that there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute. It's hard when it's a he said, she said, you've got the governor. Um, she was willing to testify, the woman, but what other evidence did they have to support it? Um, obviously, power in numbers when it's 11 women, but it's a very different standard when you're talking civil versus criminal. There's a lot of different layers here. Let's go to William from New Jersey. Go ahead, William. Hi, Rita. Yeah, that was my question. It was like, you know, how was this ever dismissed, you know, when you had 11 women that had all these allegations? Now, there's criminal and yet there's civil. So now why can't they, you know, investigate the perspective of like a civil lawsuit against this guy? You know, it's almost like he's predatory. And now he's got the gumption to step to the plate and say, I want to run again. Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. I Listen, well, that's why a lot of people are going, are you kidding me? But then guess what? I brought up Marion Barry, the D.C. mayor. Remember the guy who said the blank set me up? Remember? And he was caught doing crack and the whole deal. And he got resoundingly reelected. And he was right there on, you know, on video smoking it. You know, I mean, it's not there wasn't like any gray there. Whereas Andrew Cuomo saying, where's the proof? Again, it's also very hard to prove because when these instants happen, it's not like you're going to do them in public either. Um, And again, a lot of it turned out to be a he said, she said. Some of them never pursued it because the window of of, uh, timing, too, passed. Remember, there was a very a lot of these happened years ago. The current one was the one that upstate that they were looking at. But then they didn't feel that they had enough. They called it. We did not have enough evidence to go to trial. We did not have enough to prove our case beyond a reasonable doubt. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. What it means is they didn't have enough to prove it. But Andrew Cuomo says, it's wrong. I'm going after them. William, thank you very much. Let's go to Bill in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Bill. Hi, Rita. Uh, 
I definitely love your voice, by the way. Thank you, Bill. I, I like yours too, Bill. You got a good one, I my do. friend. It's a little about your voice. But I definitely believe people have short memories. Six months ago, a year ago, no way. Cuomo's going to come back. He's going to come back with a vengeance. If they had something on him, they would have nailed him. I believe there's some truth between the 11th women. Maybe it's four of them. This, you know, this true. Maybe One not. of them was know. a state trooper, too. Remember, that also adds some credibility, yes. too. There, there's some credibility there, but what happened? I, I, you know, there was, did, did they have a strong case on him? I believe he's going to come back. He's going to be the attorney general of New York, Mark Martin. Remember this date. Mark it down. He's gonna win. He's gonna win in the landslide, and he's the old Italian. He's gonna come back with a vengeance. Well, and Bill, I contend that he's already doing it because look what happened at CNN. I think there's definitely a role there. Remember, his brother is the one who kind of led it. Looks like to the demise of Jeff Zucker. So I think uh, that vengeance path is already starting. And I agree with you, Bill. He may come back, whether it's there or maybe some other position. Do not rule that out. Who knows, you guys? When we come back, we are going to talk about the stunning new details of migrants being housed under house arrest. Don't worry about detention. That after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And welcome back to the Rita Cosby Show. Just when you thought the crisis with illegal immigrants couldn't get more perilous, the Biden administration will soon be placing those caught at the U.S.-Mexico border on house arrest versus detention. Wow. Joining us to talk about this is Trump's former Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security, Ken Cuccinelli. Secretary Cuccinelli, great to have you here. Good to be with you, as always, Rita. You know, this is amazing. What do you make of the fact that they're now making it easier uh, for folks who have crossed illegally and they're going to test it out, putting them under house arrest? I mean, how does that keep an eye on them? Well, (laughs) it's, uh, you know, alternatives to detention have a role. But for this administration, it's instead of detention, you know, it's just another way to release people in this case. Um, We studied ankle bracelets and all those kinds of things, and they do have a role. They can they can work in some instances with some folks. But this administration is simply determined not to hold or deport anybody. I mean, we just saw the deportation numbers from last year. ICE only deported about 50,000 people. In the whole country, we have 20 million illegals in this country. They deported 50,000, an enormous drop from uh, the previous year when we were doing it. And even that, we're, we, you know, we had our, our hands tied so badly, and yet they're down to 50,000. It's barely anything at all. So why, why, you know, the notion that they're holding anybody for de- deportation is almost silly. How, what were the deportation numbers under Trump, by the way? Give us a sense. So the last year was about 185,000 or so. Um, It's hard for me to keep fiscal year straight, but figure about 200,000 a year, um, which is is way lower than we need it to be. Um, And the reason for it in the Trump administration being that low was um, we had judges all over the country just tie us up in knots. You know, the other thing, too, uh, they weren't coming as much, too, because they knew that uh, that it was going to be tougher. That's right. Well, the whole first year, we there were record numbers of low crossings. 
And then judges started to make it clear to illegals all over the world, don't worry, we've got your back. And, um, and so they started interfering with the efforts that DHS was making to protect the border. And it became a real litigation hole. And all the left-wing groups got in on the business, you know, and, and, and tying up ICE. And uh, so if we couldn't turn somebody around at the border, then we were going to have a very hard time and just because it was become so bureaucratic. We really need to be deporting like a million people a year, not 200,000. And, um, and, and this administration is just never going to do that. They want to get this number as low as possible. Yeah. And this, this whole detention issue, Rita, is one more example of how they actually put in place policies that make achieving their own mission more difficult. It'd be like a marathon runner who just before they blew the gun to start the race leaned over and tied his own shoelaces together. I mean, literally, that's what they're doing to ICE and to the Border Patrol. This is very intentional. They can't get rid of ICE. They can't get rid of the Border Patrol. But they can, by management decisions, make them less and less and less effective. And that's what you see going on here. Yeah, really difficult job for our men and women there that are uh, trying to protect our country. And they are trying to protect us, you, me, and our whole country. They need to, we need to pray for these folks. Their morale's in the tank, and we, they, we really need them to hold on until they get leadership back that really respects them and honors their service and sacrifice. Absolutely. And everybody, we are talking to President Trump's former Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security, Ken Cuccinelli. You know, the thing on this also home arrest uh, that the Biden administration is looking to test, they're planning to test in Houston, Baltimore. Um, What I found astounding, Secretary Cuccinelli, was that they said they have to remain at home from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. with the exceptions of their job schedules. Uh, What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Why are people we acknowledge are here illegally getting jobs? Why is our government facilitating that. That's outrageous. I mean, we, we just had a monthly inflation report of seven and a half percent annually. You know get, who gets hurt the worst by that? The poor. So how about we help American poor people get jobs by not inviting three million competitors into this country in one year to drive down their wages and take their job opportunities? Because that's what's happening. Yeah, that is oh, astounding. Way, Rita, and by the way, Rita, who are the American poor? It is disproportionately our minorities. So when somebody wants to say to me, Cuccinelli, you just hate brown people. Are you kidding me? It's our own minorities that I'm talking about protecting here in this country who are unfortunately disproportionately represented among the poor. But they are. So let's help them. Not help them with welfare. Help protect their opportunity to lift themselves up by their bootstraps. Yeah, absolutely. And and putting these folks sort of at the front of the line and to accommodate them on house arrest. And, you know, given what we've heard about the way that the Biden administration has handled the border, I don't have a lot of faith that they're really going to be keeping an eye on things there at the border. I mean, that's the thing that's amazing. You talked about also uh, the numbers. We still do not have the numbers for last year. We have the number of migrant arrests, but we don't have the numbers uh, full-fledged of what's going on. Why are they withholding these numbers and not telling us about the migrant flights? Well, 
this is all a secret. I mean, when they get caught, the contractors are being told not to talk to the press. They're doing them late at night. They're literally using airports, not main airports. They're not flying to JFK. You know, they fly to 25 miles out of town kind of a thing. And um, they are sneaking around our own country, using the money to fly illegal aliens into our country that they're supposed to use to fly them back to their home country. And you and I already talked, Rita, they're not deporting people. No, they're importing people. Our own government is participating as a link in the human smuggling chain into the United States of America. It is wrong. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, Secretary Ken Cuccinelli, please stay with us. I want to continue more because there was a big, major sort of legal decision focused on Arizona, but that could have rippling effects across this country on immigration. And I want to get your take on that after the break. Everybody stay with us. Much more of the Rita Cosby Show right after the break. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a Vietnam veteran, Florida resident, Larry Michaelov, and members of his family were presented with a yard sign honoring him as an unsung hero by the We Can Be Heroes Foundation. St. John's County Sheriff, that's in Point Verdra Beach, which is a beautiful area, by the way, there. Um, he said he wanted to thank this hero for his service during the Vietnam War. And Michael Love said that he flew many combat missions along the Mekong River and that they were stopping the tra- tra- truck traffic driving down uh, the Ho Chi Minh Trail, all in an effort to keep all of his fellow comrades, the GIs, safe. Now, during his service, Michaelov received two distinguished flying cross medals and also nine air medals. And it's wonderful that he was chosen as a, quote, unsung hero uh, with the big yard sign that he and his family could see. Bravo to all of our great, great veterans. And for those of you tied to Vietnam, welcome home. And we are talking about protecting the border and protecting security. It's something the veterans certainly know all too well. And I want to hear your thoughts about the idea. We were just talking with Ken Cuccinelli um, about the idea that house arrest is now being offered to illegal immigrants so they can go out and work illegally and they can basically not be monitored, not be checked versus detention because detention is not fair for them. So they're going to try house arrest to them, which is just insane. Also, there are many other things coming up where basically it is being considered what's happening at the border, quote, an invasion. And that is allowing states to take matters into their own hands. I want to hear your thoughts about the soft on crime and soft on border approach, especially that President Biden has. And do you think it is just putting us all at incredible risk? that he seems to be so light on those people crossing through the border illegally. And again, I use the word crime because it is illegal and yet a different standard for us here in America. And the fact that now he's looking at saying, oh, we'll just put them under house arrest. You know that they're not going to be checking them. They're not even checking them when they're in detention. You think they're going to be checking them when they're under house arrest? Give me a break. The number is 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Well, here is Vivek Ramaswamy, political commentator, 
talking about his thoughts of President Biden and the border. The border is the responsibility of the government. And right. one of the things you see from the Democratic Party that consistently disappoints me is conflating the issue of immigration with border security. Those are two different issues. And here with the fentanyl crisis, we're actually seeing the effects of that firsthand. But they've failed at the border. Fentanyl is now flowing into the country. It's actually the leading cause of death amongst adults under the age of 45 relative to COVID. It's actually even a greater cause of death. And yet we are not talking about that issue. And we continue now with President Trump's former Deputy Secretary of Homeland Security, Ken Cuccinelli. Um, Ken, I wanted to talk with you also about this big decision by the Attorney General of Arizona. Uh, tell us what it means, because it's actually quite stunning regarding states taking basically the law into their own hands. That's right. So you and I have talked about the problems here in the last few minutes at the border. It's it's terrible. And um, in October, uh, the Center for Renewing America, where I am a fellow on immigration, we put out a paper pointing out that in the Constitution, when states are being invaded, they have the right to defend themselves without anybody's permission, including Joe Biden and the federal government. And um, this Monday, Arizona Attorney General Mark Bernadich issued a legal opinion saying, one, that the situation at the border is an invasion, as that term is used in the Constitution, so not, not political rhetoric, but legal conclusion that what's going on there is an invasion. Two, that the federal government has failed to protect Arizona from that invasion as it's obligated to do under what's called the Guarantee Clause. And three, that because of that, Arizona has the right under Article One, Section 10 to defend itself against that invasion and can repel people back across the border in between their legal ports of entry. In regular people terms, Rita, this means instead of just complaining about Joe Biden's failure at the border, the border state governors may take matters into their own hands with their state authorities, their National Guard and state police, and turn people back. I want to be clear, that's not immigration law. This is a state war power. It's very uncomfortable to think of it as a war power, but really what it is is the ability to, to conduct self-defense. And it doesn't mean tanks and planes. It simply means catching people crossing the border and putting them back over into Mexico. And what Attorney General Brnovich found is that as a matter of constitutional law, the state of Arizona has the authority to do this so long as the people executing that role are in the chain of command of their commander in chief, which is the governor of Arizona. So this is, this is the first time in the history of the United States of America that any legal authority has decided these questions, and Attorney General Brnovich decided that it is an invasion and that the state of Arizona, like any other border state, can take matters into its own hands. So now the question becomes, will the governor of Arizona do that? And of course, you and I might also ask, will the governor of Texas do that? And I think that's a very good question. And uh, we'll see how that plays out over the next few days and weeks. Yeah, it is stunning. I remember when I saw that Attorney General Brnovich came down with this. Um, what do you think is going to happen? And what do you expect is going to happen in Arizona? 
of course, in um, Texas, we've seen Secretary Cuccinelli. We've already seen, you know, the governor there already say, "Okay, well, we're just building the wall because clearly, you know, the federal government is not going to help in our protection. We're going to build the wall ourselves. They're already sort of taking these steps. Um, But how does that help specifically Texas that already sort of has those efforts underway? Um, And also, what about Arizona? What do you think is going to happen? Because you're right. A lot of people are feeling that this administration in particular, and I have so many folks that call into my show, Secretary, who say they feel that this president has been just so derelict in his basic duty to protect America. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And um, uh, Texas is an interesting study um, on this whole subject, Rita, because they've had Operation Lone Star going there since since March. But but what has been the result? Uh, the, the, the answer is the result has been no change in the flow. And you have to ask yourself, they've done criminal trespass, they've done walls, they've, and, and by the way, the building of the wall will have long-term benefits, but not, not in the near term here. And, and what that shows, because the numbers haven't changed even with all their efforts, is until you're putting people back across the border, you're not going to affect the flow. Unless these governors are willing to put people back into Mexico and take the political heat for doing it, they are not going to move the numbers. Because even – let's take the criminal trespass that it was so ballyhooed in Texas. When they, when they get caught, the most jail time they get is 30 days. And <clears throat> when people considering coming across our border illegally – know that they'll get 30 days of three square meals a day, and then they'll be released into the United States, that's just a break for them in the, ter- in the journey. Um, it's no big deal to them. It doesn't change their decision-making at all. Like I said, until we are putting people back into Mexico, for us in the Trump administration, we use the Remain in Mexico program to do this. And we also use public health law because this is not immigration law we're talking about. This is a state constitutional power. And uh, whether Abbott and Ducey, the governors of Texas and Arizona, do it now or not, I would be shocked if anybody could win the race for governor in Arizona this year without committing to exercise this power to protect Arizona. Um, So you have my prediction on that one for next year. We'll talk a year from now and see if I was right. By the way, I I agree with you. I think it's going to be such a huge issue because immigration and illegal immigration is such a huge issue in those states, really is an issue across the country because uh, every state has become a border state because of these migrant flights and because of what's been happening and, and putting them on buses and all over the place, you know, into Westchester County, New York, into Tennessee, into everywhere. Um, But I agree with you, especially I think immigration is going to be a huge issue with the midterms coming up um, and with the governor's race. So many of these things. um, And it is so pivotal. Um, Ken Cuccinelli, I always love having your perspective. I know our listeners do, too. Thank you so much for being with us. Good to be with you, Rita, as always. Stunning that now we have the attorney general of Arizona saying it is, quote, an invasion And it's really interesting because it does now give powers to the states to basically say, we have to take the matter into our own hands. Uh, I say bravo to the Attorney General Brnovich and also Ken Cuccinelli, who says, listen, we got to get tough, that every state has to protect itself against what's happening 
with these illegal immigrants coming in and clearly the Biden administration turning a blind eye. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Rob in Long Island. Your thoughts about all this, Rob? Go ahead. Hey, good, good evening. Thanks for taking my call. So, yeah, I think that... Uh the next president, or the next election is going to be based on illegal immigration. I think Mexico's got to pay a burden. I think that uh, if you use the hospitals, we'll treat you, but you got to, you know, Mexico, here's the bill for your hospitalization. If you're uh, interfacing with the police, Mexico, here's the cost for your uh, incarceration. And uh, this is uh, an abuse of the immigration system. And also it's now you're privatizing the profits based on cheap labor. Uh, but you're socializing the the, uh, the ancillary costs for all the other facilities and services that folks are going to need coming to the country illegally, and you're not even testing these people for COVID. So um, that's going to be, to me, a big issue in the election, and uh, it, it's um, it's an abuse because it, citizenship doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah, and also national security too. You know, I think there's twofold, like you hit on Rob, and and you you bring up an interesting point about the hospitalization because they come here because they know they get free services. Um, you know, and you're just right. But the issue is for Mexico to have to be beholden to pay something, or other countries too, because remember they're coming from so many different countries originally. Some of them are passing through Mexico. Some of them are originating in Mexico. Um, But you have to have a president who has to have a little bit of a hard hand who says, hey, Mexico, we'd like some money. Or Guatemala, we'd like some money. Or so-and-so, we'd like some money. We're taking in your migrants. I don't see them. I don't see this president doesn't seem to want to demand anything of anybody. They're steamrolling all over him. Don't you think, Rob? Question about it. You need a tough president. And I think a lot of people, they may have hated Donald Trump, you know, the media painted him a bad character, but you need a tough guy and you need someone to say, hey, you have to have borders. And Mexico allowed a lot of folks coming in from their southern border to march right through. I think they got to pay a cost. Mexico is a failed state. They got five major cartels, 60,000 pounds of fentanyl, meth coming in, which is the currency of these gangs in the inner cities. Young kids now are like. Uh, they're 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 low end uh, workers for gangs, and you see what's going on with the guns. It, it's all working together, and it's a destruction, and it's it, it's a hollowing out of the country, and uh, it's it's sad to watch because I was a lifelong Democrat, but this is not the Democratic Party of my parents. Wow, no, you're right. It is so so sad. Um, Rob, thank you very much for the call, and you hit on some powerful points about the number of fentanyl. By the way, fentanyl is the leading cause of death now. For it's amazing, you know. You think about all the things that are out there—not cancer, not car accidents, fentanyl, uh, which is you know synthetic opioid, uh, very highly toxic, as you point out, and very very potent and powerful, a leading cause of death for 18 to 45 year olds. And in fact, um, Rob, just to hit on what you were saying, um, we're putting up tomorrow. We do. I do a podcast every week. It is called Protecting America, and it's something I'm really really proud of uh, at the Red Apple Networks. And what we do is we put up a podcast and we put it up on Fridays. We're going to put it up midday tomorrow, everybody. I encourage you all to check it out on Red Apple Media. It'll also be on WABCRadio.com. It'll also be on my social media, at Rita Cosby. Um, you can go on Twitter and you'll see it up there. We'll put it midday because I talked to Andrew Giuliani, who is running for governor in New York, son of Rudy Giuliani, a great crime fighters, both of them. And Andrew talking about the basically huge battle 
that is happening at the border and what's happening with fentanyl and the result that it is having on the inner cities and kids, just like you talked about, Robin. Here's just a little glimpse. Here's a little tease, actually, of the podcast because we had a really powerful discussion. Take a listen. What I wonder is, why are they not closing down the border where so much of the fentanyl and so many of the drugs are flowing through? And the same point can be made that during uh, the COVID emergencies, while you know you continue to put these restrictions on more and more Americans, they did not even test migrants that were coming in across the border. So again, the hypocrisy is through the roof. So many times you heard Nancy Reagan getting made fun of, or even President Trump getting made fun of as saying, just say no. Well, the truth is, if you don't introduce these things to young Americans, then they don't get hooked on it. So really the best thing that you can do is utilize our cultural leaders, even more than political leaders. But we need to make sure that we're telling these children exactly what they're getting into when it comes to this, not providing more opportunity to take more of these hard drugs. Wow. When you hear that, it is so explosive. By the way, um, uh, Andrew, uh, also Giuliani, was talking very much about how he even had a friend whose brother just recently passed away from opioids. I mean, it is so pervasive. When we come back, I'm going to take your calls. Don't you think it is time for states to take matters into their own hands Because this administration clearly is turning a blind eye to the border, so much so that the Arizona attorney general is saying it is, quote, an invasion, basically war powers. It's getting to that point, guys. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. are listening to the Rita Cosby show. We are talking about some big developments happening at the border. And in fact, things are so bad that you just heard from the deputy secretary of Homeland Security, Ken Cuccinelli, who was here on the show, who knows the border extremely well. We were talking about the fact that the Biden administration is now doing house arrests instead of detention. And also that Mark Burnovich, who is the Arizona attorney general, is calling it, quote, an invasion, instituting state war powers, basically saying that states can take over the federal government on their borders if they feel that the federal government has basically acquiesced and not done its job. Stunning. 1-800-848-9222. And here's a little bit of Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana saying this administration, the Biden administration, is clueless. We don't have the slightest idea who's coming into our country. Uh, they, they, they could be good people just looking to work, but they're also probably terrorists. They're gangbangers. They're drug dealers. They're convicted fel- felons, and they're coming from all over the world. And President Biden and his people are welcoming them. And they are welcoming them with open arms. Uh, let's go to David from Pennsylvania. Go ahead, David. Your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. You know, it's so frustrating hearing this that I, I wonder what level of government dereliction needs to be reached by this administration to compel the Republican leadership to fulfill their moral and patriotic obligation to start to make a public case to impeach this guy. 
and impugn the Democratic Party agenda. I just don't understand it. Well, you know what's interesting, David? It is a whole different standard than think about how quick they were. You know, it was like, oh, uh, President Trump sneezed. Let's impeach him. He coughed. Let's impeach him again. Um, But I think my sense is, David, I think they are waiting because the midterms are right around the corner. I think they know that the American public is fed up. And I think that they realize that this will be uh, potentially, obviously, a very strong issue um, when it goes to midterms. When people go to the voting booth, who do they feel safe? They don't they they are disgusted with what's been happening at the border and this administration. So I think they think that this will be something that can maybe turn it around where Republicans could either be in the House or the Senate. And since elections are right around the corner, I think that's why. Let's go to Eric in Manhattan real quick. Eric, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. I mean, this is par for the course. Uh, Democrats, you know, they're losing they're losing their support like me. Um, and it's just it's only going downhill. They're getting worse. So they have to replace their voters. I mean, they're thinking long term. You know, it's disgusting. The one guy called in right after me one time. Um, he said they're doing jobs that Americans won't do. There's no such thing as a job an American won't do for a, a decent living wage. You know, it's really, yeah, really and, and like you and said, changing again. and changing uh-huh. the demo, changing the demographics. Like you said, that's a really interesting point, because elections are just a few months away and there is no reason why they would keep that border wide open, why they wouldn't be vaccinating them, why they're now going to put them on house arrest. I mean, why don't they send them on a vacation to Disneyland? They've done everything else. It's absolutely crazy. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.